Hey. Hi. Welcome to Crime and Time. On the rocks. So I have this beautiful cocktail here it's for you. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it. Yeah, I watched you make it. It was a lot of work. So this is the Silk Road cocktail. The Silk Road cocktail. And as luxurious and extravagant as you think of goods coming from the Silk Road, so is this cocktail. It really is. I, like, I'm trying to decide if it's millennial pink or if it's salmon. It's not salmon, but it's not. Because that sounds gross. I know, that sounds <laughs> gross. But as a color, it's a beautiful color. It's, it's just this gorgeous, gorgeous pink hue. Well, let me tell you about it. Okay. So it's got two ounces of gin. Um, actually, this recipe will make two. So two ounces of gin, four ounces of ruby red grapefruit juice. Uh-huh, which uh, is probably where the color comes from, I yeah. assume. A teaspoon of ginger syrup. I tried to make my own last night. It turned into like burnt ginger candy. So Bebmo to the rescue. With, Yay. Yeah. Um, a juice of half a lime, some freshly grated ginger, two star anise like in the shaker. Uh-huh. And then um, a couple of shakes of rhubarb bitters, which are kind of hard to find, but. I can imagine. Amazon sells them. And then you shake that all up, pour it into the, your coupe glass, and then top it with some champagne. And don't worry, folks, it only took her an hour and a half to make. It didn't take that long. <laughs> But it's worth it. So I've... It's a lot of ingredients. I was very complicated looking when you were putting it together. I previewed it because I was curious. So I've I tried it. So let's... We'll try it together and, and I'll hear... topped with champagne, correct? Yes, topped okay. with champagne. So I'll hear your, like, impression first. Okay. I do like it. It's really delicious to me. I do like it. Yes. I... Because I've had it more than a couple times. Uh-huh. And I know the difference between with the rhubarb bitters versus without, and I can taste them, uh -huh. and I can taste the grapefruit, I can taste I the star anise. I love the grapefruit. It reminds me of, okay, this is going to tell you how, like, redneck I am. It reminds me of squirt. You know the soda squirt? It's a little like that. It is, because it's got the bubbles of the champagne and the grapefruit, but it's not bitter grapefruit, it's a sweet grapefruit. It's very elegant. Mm. And if you float... Absolutely gorgeous. You float a star anise in it, and it looks just beautiful. Yes. It doesn't need any other garnish than that. Okay, now as I'm drinking it, it's kind of because it's, you know, I've been picking it up and putting it to my mouth, so it's stirring. It's sort of changing colors and it's turning more into like this opaque, um, still pink, but... Melon color? Kind of, yeah. I guess I would describe that as child number one's favorite new color, millennial pink, whatever that is. I think it's the old, like, dustyish rose dusty rose yes remember from the 80s yes in the 90s my entire first apartment was dusty rose and turquoise with coyotes we've already talked about what? that have we really yeah and i ex i like reiterated that my only like the only choice i could imagine for my apartment was gonna be like navy blue and mauve oh that's funny i had the little coyote shakers um, salt and pepper shakers and cookie jar with the handkerchief around his neck that had the the pink and the teal colors kind of mixed together on his handkerchief and I had sand paintings I was obnoxious you had a coyote themed apartment yeah it was like it was cool it was cool it was it very, was like how you are to sunflowers yes everything was all very of a sudden like, child number one gets it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, it's absolutely beautiful, and I really, really like it. So, um, Silk Road, 
I had fun with this, but you get to go first this time. Okay, I'll go first. So, yeah, I have something to tell you about the Silk Road. Tell me about the Silk Road. So, are you familiar with the dark web? Um, no, it's not part of my story at all. Are you familiar with the Silk Road website? No, it's not part of my story at all. You're not telling me about, (laughs) like, are we simultaneously telling each other the same story? My... Reference to the Silk Road as pertains to the dark web is a little snippet at the end of my story. Okay. Mine's a lot, so. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about the task force that took down the Silk Road. They were from the FBI. Some of them. Very, (laughs) very few of them, but some of them. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. Good, good, good. Yeah. So it all starts in 2011 with a Gawker article that was written in June of 2011. Okay. So the writer... Adrian Chen wrote an article called The Underground Website Where You Can Buy Any Drug Imaginable. So that garnered a lot of attention. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, Gawker was not an invisible site at this point. Like, people Mm -hmm. read it. Like, it was news, you know. It's like Wired, Gawker. That's like where people went for tech news in 2011. Um. How in the hell do you order drugs on the internet? That does not make any sense. Just some guy show up at your door with an eight ball? How does that work? That doesn't uh, the, make any sense. The Silk Road made that work. It still seems bizarre. The Amazon man is not going to bring you your cocaine. Well, so... I don't know. I guess I just don't live in that world to know... You don't live in that world, but... Until this time, pretty much nobody knew about the Silk Road. In fact, it was only like pretty much online a few months before the Gawker article. So the Silk Road was founded in February of 2011, whereas the Gawker article came out in June. Oh, that's crazy fast. So they're that's how not fast, very secret. Yeah, that's how fast technology works, though. That is true. It was named after the historic trade routes like a la Marco Polo. There's a trade route called the Silk Road? I didn't know that. I mean, I hope you did know that because you're the history person. (laughs) The Silk Road was operated by someone calling themselves the Dread Pirate Roberts. Oh my good lord. Everybody drink. It's an 80s reference. After the Princess Bride character. Yes. And there were two other individuals, Variety Jones and Smedley, that were also closely involved with the development of the site. Okay. Smedley is just a bad name. It needed to be... Schmied. I like Variety Jones, though. Variety Jones is pretty cool. Because it's like Variety, but then Jones is not Variety. <laughs> See, my brain went pot. My brain went, like... Oh, Jonesing? Yeah. No, I liked Variety Jones. Okay, Variety Jones is cool. But anyway, so... I still dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah. So, anyway, after the guard- Gawker article in June... Traffic to the Silk Road dramatically increased. Seriously? So it was the Barbara Streisand effect? Kind of the Barbara... Yeah, exactly. That's funny. And which... Yeah, actually. (laughs) um, Public attention also increased. And in fact, U.S. Senator Charles Schumer asked federal law enforcement to shut it down. Okay. So it was up to that level where even Charles Schumer, who like is pretty much not aware of anything at this point unless it affects like his life (laughs) so in case you don't know well let me preface this by saying if you want an in-depth 
like discussion into the Silk Road and what it was about and cryptocurrency, I strongly, strongly, strongly suggest you listen to the case file four part episode on the Silk Road. Okay. Cryptocurrency is like made up money on the internet. Bitcoin. Yeah. That whole world just completely confuses it's me. It's very confusing. There's a lot to it. I don't have time to go into it in a single episode, but yeah, if you have any interest in it or you want to know more, go to Case File, find their four-part episode on on the Silk Road and listen to it. Okay, I have a question. So if you watch TV, you all often hear about, you know, like the dark web and you can buy drugs and blah, 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 blah. But they also, on all the little murder shows and crime shows that I watch, because, you know... You're a order. random American woman. I'm a random American woman who watches all of the cop shows. Um, they always talk about how you could, like, hire a hitman on the dark web. Was it really that much? Yes. That's insanity. Yes. So I didn't really go into too much of that How'd here. How do you even get there? There's the internet. You click the little Internet yeah. Explorer button or the Google Chrome button. It, I don't understand. It's not even, understand. you can't even get into it on a normal web browser. And I didn't go into too much of it here because I'm not, like, I'm really talking about the task force. But there yeah, are. I'm sorry, I'm taking you down a different no, road. No, there but. are some points I will bring this up. Okay. I've always just wondered. Yeah. I'm just not techie. I, I don't get it. So essentially, the black, the Silk Road was a black market digital mar- marketplace. The, but did it look like Amazon? I mean, did it have like it, pictures and descriptions? Every or? time you say Amazon, it brings me to what I'm about to get to. Okay, is I'm that, sorry. I'll shut up. No, no, don't <laughs> shut up. It brings me to what I'm about to get to is that was the aim is to make it look like Amazon. That's Amazon. crazy. So it made buying and selling of illegal drugs e- as easily as buying and selling goods from Amazon. That's insane. So you go Click, on. I like this Like hooker. I literally went on Amazon today and I bought some blue suede dress heel sandals for my cruise okay i bought some polaroid film for my classroom and it was super easy right yes you could also buy except for the fact that they have my old credit card stored and every single time i buy something they charge my old credit card and then i get a message three days later your card was declined no shit because it's been expired for five years you need to make your new one the primary i have tried that go on the computer okay yeah see how not techie i am (laughs) really i don't understand the dark web so the 2011 Gawker article reported finding 340 items for purchase on the Silk Road. Some of these items included a gram of Afghani hash, an eighth of an ounce of quote unquote sour 13 weed, 14 grams of that sounds ecstasy. Like a gummy bear. I don't know. 0.1 grams of black tar heroin and LSD and printed with Avatar movie images on it. Oh, I will not take LSD unless it has movie images on it. It no. must. Well, I, and Avatar is my favorite. I always thought it would be Mickey Mouse for me, but... And also, why are they using Avatar movie images? Wasn't that movie reasonably old by 2011? Maybe just old enough. <laughs> I don't know. So... Again, acid scary. There was sellers and buyers located all over the world, but the majority so were from the U.S. and Canada. Okay. So. Because the street corner just ain't good enough anymore. It's not, because it's not as anonymous, actually. What? This is so weird, because they can trace, they can trace everything. I can make a phone call from my, I, it, it's insane. 
They well, can trace everything. How is that not anonymous? Between the cryptocurrency and the dark web, things were much, much, much more anonymous. Things weren't as traceable. And in fact, we'll learn that some things are, ha like were determined to be more traceable than they were originally thought to be. But during this time in 2011, people thought things were truly untraceable. That makes sense because it just, we yeah. learn more and more and more. That makes sense. Yeah. So but it just seems like there's nothing anonymous anymore. They can pinpoint your exact location anywhere. I'm ignoring the weird dance that's going on here with the scissors. Yeah, the scissor dance. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> children. People don't let your children dance with scissors. It's but, a very bad But idea. we do because it's hilarious. <laughs> I don't allow her. She just did. She's old enough. To dance with scissors? Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> oh, child number one is a complete tween right now. This, like, picture the perfect seventh grade child. That's child number one right there. She's very typical. She is perfect. I don't think the perfect seventh grade child dances with scissors. I bet they do. I have previously <laughs> I have previously taught junior high. I guarantee you that little show that you put on nearly every one of them is done. Although you're right about the fact that not every <laughs> seventh grade child has a mom that has a podcast. And her adopted mother. And her adopted mother. <laughs> but no, we'll be walking down the street and she'll say something and it will remind me, oh yes, I've heard that a hundred <laughs> times before. Back to the Silk Road. Back to the Silk Road. Off seventh grade drama. Off Back seventh, to the yes. Silk Road. So, We're moving from seventh grade drama to illicit drugs that you can order anonymously. Makes a hundred percent sense. Kinda. Sadly. So the Silk Road originators, they did have limits on what they wanted to provide. So they prohibited the sale of anything whose purpose is to harm or defraud. So, so no hitmen. Yeah, such as stolen credit cards, assassinations, and weapons of mass destruction. So it was pretty limited to things that could only be used for yourself that so wouldn't harm anybody else. sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Exactly. The American yes. way. And in fact, it's interesting because... Well, that's not horrible. Well, so as a libertarian, it's interesting to me to read about the originator of the Silk Road and his ideals were libertarian. Yeah. Although they're like beyond what I would ever go and do. Well, I literally, I, I agree with you on so much, much of that. And whenever I try to explain what libertarian is, I typically say, I do not care what you do as long as I don't have to pay for it. And his goal was to create this free market for things that in his mind shouldn't have been illegal to begin with. Mm -hmm. Because they're all things that if you choose to partake in this, you are accepting the consequences. Correct. And it's not hurting anyone else if it were not for, right. you know. So his ideology was this should exist because it's free market and the government shouldn't have anything to do to prevent us from like dealing in these things. I kind of see his point. I see his point too, but it went past that. Yeah, because, uh, well, on every cop show and on the television, you can order a hitman. Yeah. And the, I mean, and I will differentiate the dark web in its entirety from the Silk Road as a website. Because the Silk Road only existed on the dark web. So he, he was a He had a site. Yes. On the dark web. So yes. the dark web could be dealing in hitman and whatnot. And he just wanted to deal in 
things that you could purchase to alter your state of being if you wanted to. For the most part, yes. Okay. That was his ideology. Right. But then the it gets into it's the other person's problem if that then becomes a an issue where they have to be taken to the hospital and public resources aren't used. Yeah, there's I mean, there's ripples. You can go down the yeah. Yeah, rabbit hole. So the Silk Road wasn't available from like our normal web web browsers. Like you couldn't get them from Chrome or Explorer. You had to connect through the Tor network. And the Tor network. So weird. The Tor network masked users tracks on the Silk Road site. And the only form of payment that was accepted was Bitcoin. And how don't you get Bitcoin by solving math problems? Well, there's a way to mine Bitcoin, but at this time, the Bitcoin was like just pretty much traded and purchased. Okay. Because I'll like I'll explain in just a moment. So it just existed as it like someone it made was, it. It was developed as a cryptocurrency, and it was supposed to be untraceable, but like after probably 2013, it was determined that it's not untraceable. Okay, but not to get, like, too far down the economics rabbit hole, but, like, ideally, money is based on gold in the vault. So the paper represents the gold. So what was that Bitcoin represented by that was tangible? Nothing? Nothing. So somebody just went click, 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 and made up this thing that was then used to trade goods. Right, and it had so a value. goods for made-up stuff. Yes, with a value. But where did the value... I mean, okay, I'm, I'm, th- I'm overthinking it. The value came from the buyers that were buying into it. So... So because you believed that this feather could make Dumbo fly, Dumbo flew. Yes, because that had a worth. Just the believing that it was real. Yes. Gave it a... Realness. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So in order to purchase anything on the Silk Road, you have- Do we have a drinking game for Disney references? Sorry. No, we will next though. After 80s. Okay. (laughs) So in order to purchase something on the Silk Road, you first had to purchase Bitcoin. And next, you would create a Silk Road account and deposit your Bitcoins. So in 2011, one Bitcoin was worth about $8.67. Oh, it's way higher than that now, isn't it? Way. So today, one Bitcoin is worth $3,534.07. Okay. I thought 300. 3,000? Yeah. That's a whole lot of black tar heroin or avatar acid. Yeah. It's, wow. I mean, not that I know the value of those, but But wow. also you have to realize that after 2013 and partly because of this investigation, Bitcoin became whatever was thought to be this anonymous currency to something that there was, there are traces. Like there, it's not a Swiss bank account. Like Yeah. It, I don't see how there couldn't be. Yeah. You're sitting in a location of a computer with numbers attached to it and typing numbers. Yeah. How could there not be a trace? There's a trace. So like that probably inflated things a little because the people that had them that were legitimate, that kept them were um, able to see the like value rise. Whereas the people that weren't legitimate, like had to sell. Okay. Or get out, you know? But anyway, like we're talking pre-2013. So 
The Gawker article also stated that toward the end of the article that, quote unquote, the Silk Road and Bitcoins could herald a black market of e-commerce revolution. But anonymity cuts both ways. How long until a DEA agent sets up a fake Silk Road account and starts sending SWAT teams instead of LSD to the address that she gets? Okay, so they were saying they were going to set a agent up as a seller. That's That was the allegation by the Gawker article. <clears throat> oh, interesting. So anyway, um, it didn't take long before that actually happened. Okay. My brain is just thinking entrapment question mark not even. i guess not because they're coming to you yeah not even. you're just yeah. putting up a sign hey we sell this and they're coming to yes you. yeah okay okay full disclosure we just took a break to get more booze yeah one more silk road cocktail <laughs> for really the road good. silk for the road mm. they're but, really really good so yeah but basically by june of 2011 the silk road was making waves because the Department of Homeland Security received a tip from an informant about an online drug bazaar. And the informant directed the investigators to how to access the site through the Tor network. Interesting. So. That's just. Yeah. That they're, I don't know, just his, his, you just do what you do and you do you and I'll do me kind of attitude. And they're just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to shut up. Well, the informant also <laughs> explained how to purchase and how to use Bitcoin. Okay. And investigators also learned that but that aside from illegal drugs, the Silk Road also had stolen credit cards. Well, there you go. Fake IDs, counterfeit money, and login credentials for um, hacked accounts. Which is, like, that's aside from what the initiator of the right. site so did he lose sight for greed or did it get away from him that's to be determined i think it got away from him okay because he basically set up ebay for for illegal stuff right yeah is that kind of what it was i would say it's more akin to amazon but but I'll people can just post on the site here's what i'm selling you buy it yes right? yes okay so it could have theoretically just gotten away from his original principles and he was unable to control it. That's what I think. Yeah, okay. it just, it got away from him. His ideals were, like I said, more libertarian. Like mm -hmm. it was just like free market, like let's let the free market happen, but let's curtail like these really heinous things. Yeah. That are going to affect another person. Because yeah. in his mind, like someone buying a drug is only going to affect that one person. Right. Because I can sort of see the whole you do you thing. Yeah. Although then you could, you could, you could, you could trace it backwards. Was the was um, Mexico and the whole cocaine cartel thing as bad then as it what they say it is now? Please, Mexican drug. Relatively, lords, don't me. like I mean, relatively. I think it's got a little bit worse now, but yeah, on the whole, yes, it was as bad. Because you could then make the argument that by by being part of that market, you are contributing to that problem. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, I'm sorry. I keep going down no, the holes. No, it's like, it's all something we're wondering. Yeah. I mean, me too. Like, I'm not an expert on cryptocurrency or whatever. <laughs> I barely can even write it. <laughs> but anyway, this Gawker article. I have a hard enough time transcribing, like, 
if I look at something that from another country and try to figure out how much the pound is to the American dollar, I couldn't figure out how much a Bitcoin is. Yes. So the Gawker article came out, and then right after that, a multi-agency task force was based that was based in Baltimore was formed, and it was dubbed Marco Polo. After oh the, my good lord! Yeah, after the Silk Road's historical namesake. No, okay. Silk Road was not named after him. I'm just saying. This okay, is, I'm just going to rebuck that rebuke, rebuke, rebuke. I guess I'm going to question that. I seriously, seriously love that you just brought that up. That cracks me up. Are you going to do an in-depth discussion of the Han Dynasty? No. Yes, you are a liar. No, I'm seriously <laughs> not. No, honestly, Han Dynasty, not even written on my notepad. My notepad has things like a famous explorer who may or may not be a swimming game now, a grand romance, Nazi Germany, and ding ancient <laughs> and um an ancient trade route that may have begun before christ no it big spans, deal nbd nbd <laughs> <laughs> so anyway this quote-unquote marco polo task force included investigators from the fbi dea dhs irs u.s postal inspection u.s secret Service. oh my god the u.s postal inspection and the Bureau I don't know what pornography is, but I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. <laughs> and if you need help looking any up, uh, up any of those acronyms, Ep. Google. We're going to look them up? Yeah. You cannot Google how to buy Avatar. But you can Google LSD. what is the DHS. Durham High School? No. <laughs> The Department of Homeland Security. Oh, that makes more sense for what you're talking about. The Federal Bureau of Investigation. Okay. Well, I got that one. We're only on cocktail number three, folks. It's yeah. fine. We, we paused to make another Silk Road because it was delicious. It's really good. And it's so pretty. It's really pretty. So anyway, so separate investigations were also launched in New York and Chicago. Um, Where was the guy based out of? That had not yet to be have been determined. <laughs> that you drank too much. I, <laughs> that had not yet been determined. There you go. That's what you meant to say. <laughs> oh my god! This one's okay, drink. Focus. Ooh. Okay, that had not yet been determined. Wonderful. But custom and border. And protection agents were already seizing suspicious packages so they sent it through the friggin mail the friggin mail and they would later be tied to silk road buyers and sellers so like some of the astute agents were like this is suspicious and like started pulling packages and there was like already investigations started based on like these suspicious packages and the buyers and sellers and that ain't no joke i've had a package pulled pulled for being suspicious I have a relative who deals in books on not oh, the Silk Road, but Amazon. The book dealer. The book dealer. And bless her heart. Love, 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 love her. But So she sends books to child one and child two. And every now and again, <clears throat> she might put in a pair of shoes or a dress or a stuffed animal or a game or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But when she sends the media mail, 
they are subject to inspection. So she would send them to our home in this tiny little town and they caught on somehow. I don't know. They just opened a package randomly and found a pair of shoes. And so then I had to pay the difference between the media mail price and the regular price of a box full of books with a pair of shoes. Added in. Yeah. Right. So we now send them to a larger town where mother-in-law lives. (laughs) (laughs) So... These investigators led to more than a dozen arrests in multiple countries. And Marco Polo, the Maryland-based task force, was focused on identifying. Basically, they only wanted the top 1% of sellers and the moderators and system administrators of the site. So they weren't looking for the little guys. They wouldn't have, like, messed with your aunt or... Okay, but the dude who is like, let it be, I don't know, he's going to go down. For people selling fake identities on his site where he just wanted to sell pot if you wanted pot. Yeah, but he is operating and owning the site to allow this to happen. I guess. Anonymously, supposedly. So the primary target was the owner and operator, as I just said, the Dread Pirate Roberts. He was eventually identified as 29-year-old Ross. Montoya. <laughs> he was eventually identified <laughs> as 20. 20- my father. 29-year-old Ross Ulbricht. Prepare to die. (laughs) (laughs) I started. I had to finish. (laughs) So to get Ulbricht, investigators needed to get on the inside. Right. So in April 2012, an agent working undercover began building a relationship with the Dread Pirate Roberts. This relationship... I'm sorry. Every time you say that, I crack up. (laughs) DPR. That's what they call him, DPR. Yes. Not to be confused with the (laughs) R-O-U-S's. Can you tell I'm a little obsessed with the movie? This relationship led to the arrest of Curtis Clark Green, who went by the moniker Flush and Chronic Pain. Green was an administrator (laughs) on the site, and this arrest became huge for the task force. So it was after this arrest that Dread Pirate Roberts asked the undercover agent to murder Green. But he didn't, obviously, he didn't know. Oh, what? He didn't know it was the undercover agent. But investigators staged. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Peace and love, dude, you do you, is now murdering someone? He's putting a hit on someone, yeah. Oh my good lord, I don't like him anymore. Yeah, so... The investigators staged the torture and killing of Green, and they sent pictures to the DPR, Dread Pirate Roberts. That's kind of brilliant. Yeah. So then later in 2013, authorities intercepted fake IDs that were meant for Ross Ulbricht for him to be able to... Because he's going to run. Yeah. So they located him in San Francisco... And then he was finally arrested in October of 2013. And as I previously mentioned, if you're interested in this part of the story, go to Case File, listen to their episodes, their four-parter, because they do like a pretty much play-by-play on the arrest of DPR. Okay. But I'm not going to go into it here. But he was charged with drug and money laundering as well as conspiracy to commit murder. For the hit, obviously. Yeah. Okay, the tiny little bit that I have on that did not mention anything about murder for hire. Yeah, there's so much to this. Like, there's Uh, so much. So, perhaps the most startling arrest to come out of the Silk Road investigations included a pair of federal agents. 
So these, whoa, whoa, what? Yeah, this is actually like the meat of my story, but I just didn't have enough to like flush it all out, and I didn't want to like leave you hanging without explaining any of the rest of this story. Okay. But so these two men were former <clears throat> DEA agent Carl Force the Fourth. They got a taste of the good stuff, and then they can't stop. And former Secret Service okay. Special Agent Sean Bridges. Edit that out. That was bad. <laughs> they had both been assigned to investigate the Silk Road. So both of these men were suspected of stealing cryptocurrency from the Silk Road and committing other crimes. So by October of 2013, Carl Force had been involved in the Baltimore Task Force on the Silk Road, so the Marco Polo Task Force. Mm-hmm. And during this time, Force started several side projects related to Bitcoin. One of his schemes was to steal from the Dread Pirate Roberts himself. So by the time Ulbricht was the arrested... Dread Pirate Roberts leaves no survivors. You can't steal from him. I mean, it happened though. So by the time Ulbricht was arrested in 2013, Force had already been using Ulbricht as his personal Bitcoin ATM. He had been extorting Dread Pilot... Dread Pilot... Dread? That guy. Yeah, DPR. He Force had been extorting DPR and bribing him for fake info. Force opened an account with a Slovenian-based Bitcoin exchange and was attempting to quickly turn the Bitcoin into cash. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just find that funny. Yeah. Nothing, you know, just the the word Slovenian. It, no. You know my sister-in-law. People. You know my sister-in-law is Slovenian. Really? They're, I did not know that. They're very European, like Austrian. More akin to Austrian than anything else. Okay, because when you hear Slavic, you think Russia. Mm-hmm. No, Slovenia is very European, like Austrian oh, kind of. Cool. Yeah. I got a Swedish guy. <laughs> so, oh yeah. So, force opening the Slovenian account turned out to be a complete mistake, and it eventually led right to him. So, force opened his account under the name of Eladio Guzman Fuentes which was an undercover identity that he had previously used as a DEA agent. Okay. So, I'm glad he didn't use Wesley. Yes. So Force had a Maryland... A Maryland... <laughs> <laughs> if you do not go immediately and watch The Princess Bride after listening to this podcast, you may no longer listen. You're banned. <laughs> also, keep listening, though, because we like you. Totally keep listening, because you're awesome. Yeah. So Force had a Maryland driver's license proof of residency, and a social security card, all in Fuentes' name. So the account services attorney who ran the Slovenian account noticed that Fuentes' documents didn't check out. And this guy, like, I mean, he was from Berkeley. Like, he was just, like, a normal attorney. He just happened to run this, like, Slovenian account. Because it was, like, a, um, it was a legitimate company. Okay. So he said that he didn't know how he knew, but he knew that they were sophisticated forgeries. Well, if he knows there's forgeries, isn't he supposed to tell? He did. Okay, he, do- good, he does. Good, yeah. Good, 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 good. But he like he just knew something was up. He didn't know how exactly. He just knew something was and he was like, "Okay, well." Well, good on him for being like, "Yeah, this is not right and yeah. I'm telling someone." So he confront first he confronted Fuentes who admitted that his real identity was as himself, Force, and even showed him his badge. Okay, let me just 
these are the good guys that have turned bad guys to get money out of Roberts. Yes, okay. but still pretending to be good guys because they're showing their badge. Right, so they're extorting him, making him think, we're good guys, we're going to take you in, but give us money and we won't. But we're Ish. using a fake name because we're converting Bitcoin to our own uses. Oh, okay, so like dual identities. Yeah. They're, okay, so they create, they're being good guys, pretending to be good guys, and they've got a bad guy fake identity, and they're extorting money out of the guy that they're trying to put away. Right? right? Yeah. And then oh my goodness, they're, that's so they're laundering the money. They're laundering the money through like the cryptocurrency, and they're taking it to the bad guy's persona and then they're converting it to cash and they're using it boom whoa but crazy as boom crazy as it is to you that's like 20 times more boom crazy as it was in 2013 as it was to everybody else right because we're sitting here in 2019 and we're thinking boom crazy but six years ago that was boom crazy times 30 thing. yeah whoa yeah so My anyway story's gonna be boring I thought mine was boring because it's all about money, but... But it's it's crazy shit. It is. So then in November of 2013, Force made some large transactions on the Slovenian account. He transferred 34000 and then 96000 of Bitcoin into a bank account. How much is one Bitcoin worth at this point? It's like the eight the eight dollars and something cents it's still only eight dollars yeah, yeah. it hasn't gone up at all no so did it just rocket to the three thousand uh yeah okay yeah so the attorney continued to be suspicious he contacted the investigated division of the treasury department with his suspicions and he was put in contact with sean bridges so bridges said that he would file a report but the attorney like realized that nothing really ever seemed to happen after that hmm so, Force... And meanwhile, this dude's just walking around with eight times 30,000. Yeah. So, Force continued to make large transactions. He even paid off a $130,000 mortgage. And... And no one went, hmm? Nobody really knew. Like the I mean, he's making what? 50, 60 grand a year? He's probably making 80 as a federal agent in Baltimore. <sighs> he made some very wise investments. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, so, and dog, then he you had, don't do that. He had, off. he had an extra $130,000 in cash yeah, to use. Yeah. See, you don't, you, you go small. Like you go to the store to buy milk and beer. You pay cash for that. You get your nails done. You pay cash for that. You don't pay <laughs> off your fucking mortgage. So, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Forrest continued to make these large... Yeah, he paid off his $130,000 mortgage. And just as the IRS was getting involved in the investigation, Forrest asked for his transaction history to be deleted. He contacted the Slovenian company and said, can you delete my transaction history? Sure, no problem, dude. Yeah, but the, Sir, what's a Slovenian accent? Sure, no problem, mister. The attorney was like, um, yeah, don't do that. Like, just don't do that. Like, there's something up here. Okay, though these men were super, super smart. They just got... They were super copy. smart. They thought they were smarter than everybody, and they yes. were. So, but even I know I'm a, what, Northern Californian housewife? You don't pay off your friggin' mortgage yeah, if you only make 80 grand a year? That was really stupid. Um, 
the IRS was getting involved by this point, partly because of the attorney. And after force... Seriously. Put it down. We're criming time on the rocks. You're off the rocks. So quit making rock sounds. Gorgeous. Sorry. Break for children. Edit that out. Cut. Cut. Paste. Seriously, stop messing with the ice cubes. I'm sorry. You're the one who made your legend extremely complicated. Yes. You're bad. You know, the hoe, so much simpler. The longer we talk, <laughs> the more you have time. <laughs> Get to work. Okay. Quietly. So the IRS began getting involved in the investigation. And by this time, the for- after the force had asked for his transactions to be deleted, an IRS agent, Tigran Gambarian was put in charge of the investigation. He started his investigation with Sean Bridges. He's like, it's natural. Things were already reported to him at the Treasury Department. I'm going to talk to him and see what's going on. Okay. So after speaking to Bridges, Gamborian was immediately suspicious. And during the course during the course of the investigation, it was learned that force went rogue. From the DEA, he created additional unsanctioned online personas and he used them to steal Bitcoin. So he's doing it more than one place. Yes. And it was also learned that Bridges... The problem you get greedy, it always brings you down. Yep. And it was also... Take your five million, retire, be good! He didn't even have five million. Oh, well, that's all I want to live. I do have... (laughs) Give me five million dollars and I'm happy for it. Yeah. Get us a Patreon of five million. We don't even have a Patreon, but get us. We don't one. have a Patreon, but yeah, no, really. If if you had five million dollars, you'd be fine. You'd be yeah. fine. So anyway, um, Gamborian also learned that Bridges had also been stealing Bitcoin, who was the Treasury agent that okay. was assigned to. Did they each know that they were each running the scam? Were they doing it together? Were they doing it separately? That's a question we haven't answered. Okay. So Bridges Bridges had set up a company called Quantum Investments, and this company was registered at Bridges' home. Did it star Scott Bakula? (laughs) (laughs) Quantum Leap, kids, look it up. That's the show we should watch. I love Quantum Leap. So anyway, Bridges used this company to steal Bitcoin, so after the Secret Service was notified that Bridges was under investigation, he resigned on March 15th of 2015. If people really are drinking at all of our 80s references, they're drunk by now. They're drunk. Yeah. So then on March 30th, 15 days later of 2015, charges were filed against Force and Bridges. They both pled guilty. Bridges was sentenced to 71 months and Force was given 78 months. And obviously there's still some questions remaining on how much force and bridges cooperated and also Uh whether anyone else in the task force was corrupt. So they were unable to reveal any evidence that force and bridges collaborated. And there's still a lot of suspicion as to whether anybody else was involved. They had to. They haven't been able to prove it and nobody else has been charged. Okay, but how do two people come up with the same scam at the same time on the same crime you know what I mean? They're yeah. Like two. It, yeah, they did it together. There's too much. Totally did. I I have a hard time thinking it was just the two of them. Yeah, that's crazy. And so meanwhile, a guy who like came up with the site, who just wanted to you know, 
Well, yeah, he got charged too. So, like I said, if you want that whole history, go listen to Case File because I can't even touch them. Like, they they did a four-part episode on that. Like, so that was like four hours of the Silk Road. But it's got to be all internet-y and complicated. No, it's actually like they actually do a really good job making it understandable. Oh, interesting. Um, so, my story, do you need to get that? What are you doing? No. Okay. <laughs> Her phone's been going off the hook during this whole thing. Because people want to know what I'm doing. Because we're amazing. My phone hasn't rung, but I'm amazing by association. You're sending a picture of our computer. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm live casting. Live casting. Okay, so my Silk Road. Uh, my Silk Road. I was super excited to tell you this, but you kind of stole my thunder. Ventures from 100 BC, and it goes through a game that you played during your many swimming and coaching years. Marco Polo? Yeah! Marco Polo! (laughs) And it goes through the, what are those people who like look up, like dig out shit out of archaeologist yes it goes through the archaeology boom of the 19th century my cousin's an archaeologist by profession actually it would be a super cool job and it goes through yes nazi germany it has Ding! A, it has an epic love story and it ends it doesn't end but it also goes what are you doing are you taking my picture what are you doing no i'm just i'm podcasting well i don't want to be filmed you're not Okay, good. Um, and it also goes through the whole um, thing that you just talked about with the guy and the thing and the, you know, being arrested. DPR. Yeah. So, Silk Road reshaped the freaking world. The world. No, I'm not kidding. Child number one, you're making fun of it. No, the Silk Road reshaped the world up until this point because, 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 because. Because of the people, wonderful things it does. These people, like, could not. You you think that it takes us a long time to get somewhere today. No, these folks, they couldn't. You had You had to get everywhere by foot. And so if you wanted stuff, it was a big deal. The Silk Road changed everything why was it faster it wasn't faster for you it was faster for stuff you could get stuff it wasn't about you traveling somewhere so they constantly move stuff along and then it was more available to you yeah so the person just see now you're getting ahead of me the person just um went quit oh my god (laughs) i'm having a hard enough time focusing as it is the people didn't go the entire route of the thing. They went from place to place, but the stuff went the route of the thing. Stop and let me, you're getting ahead of me. Okay. Stop, collaborate, oh. and listen. <laughs> the Silk is back with a brand new mission. <laughs> sorry. Okay, if you're still listening, I'm so sorry. Um. <laughs> okay, the Silk Road, the Silk Road, it was a thing. It was a thing. And what amazes me is as I, as I did this research, I like, it was a thing and then it wasn't a thing. And then it was a thing and it wasn't a thing. And then it was a thing and it wasn't a thing. The amount of times that we discover something and then lose it and then rediscover it is astronomically ridiculous. The toilet has been discovered how many times? 
Several. Several. It's stupid. In the middle of the night, you might say, I discover it each time. (laughs) Oh, my good Lord. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop. (laughs) No, I did it to you so bad. (laughs) With all of the the Princess Bride references. I'll stop. No, no, you can totally. That's what makes us funny. I'm sure people are saying sort of in their head. Um. So, it was an overland route, the Silk Road, originally, the OG Silk Road, an overland route where merchants traded their goods. There was actually two routes. There was one that went from the East Mediterranean to Central Asia, and then from Central Asia to China. There were also sea routes that were associated with the Silk Road, but that's what it was. It was a network of trade routes where people went to trade goods so one guy may take his goods and he travels from city a to city b but then he sells his goods that he brings from city a to city b and then some dude from city b buys them for a little bit more money and takes them to city c and then he sells them again for a little bit more money and so on and so on and so on so um they're just selling their stuff Along the thing. One of the main things that was sold along the Silk Road was... Silk? Alex for $100. Silk? Silk! Ah! Yay! Um, Silk was a very closely guarded secret in China, probably under the what kind of dynasty? Han. Han. I don't know. I didn't write that down. But it was a very closely guarded secret. It comes from... Did you know it comes from the worm who eats mulberry leaves? Yes. Yes. So that dude poops out silk or however it works. But the way that the Chinese um, dealt with it and made it into something luxurious was was a closely guarded secret. They used it for everything. They used it for fishing line. Before they invented paper, they used silk to write on. Oh, That's how much it was like... Eh, whatever it's soon but outside of china um it was coveted for clothing the only silk clothing i recall ever owning was when they had like back in the 90s when they had the washable silk and i had this lavender washable washable silk top that was like a button-up uh-huh and it was very 90s and it was like matte finished lavender Ooh, very pretty my first piece of silk was a similar. It was a um, button-up top. It was ivory, though. Ooh, pretty. And um, the aunt, whom I spent a lot of time with in childhood, took me shopping with what remained of my college account um, that my grandparents had started for me, which I highly subsidized from my own hard work. But anyway, so she took me shopping with that and she bought me this beautiful silk blouse as an interview blouse. And it was very pretty. It didn't have a collar. It was a V-neck and it was buttons and then it had like a little um, asymmetrical hem. Again, probably very 90s. Very 90s, But it yeah. was beautiful. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And I felt so proud when I was wearing it. I'm like, oh, this is silk. It's so fancy. But so they closely guarded the secret, but silk was coveted because it was warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And if you had it, you had... How, what? I'm losing you. Oh my God. If you had silk, you had what? That everybody wants. And if you have it, you have to show it off. Like we do with our true religion and rock revival jeans. Fashion? Money! Money. Money. People, you had money. So they, if you had silk, you had money. 
Um, they also exported, uh, exported other things along the Silk Road. The Mediterranean exported olives, olive oil, wine, as you'd expect. China also exported jade, silver, and iron. India sent cotton. Africa sent ivory. Arabia sent incest spices. And child number two, cover your ears, tortoise shells. Aww. I know. It was, you know, people just sent stuff. It was very, it was a thing. It suddenly made the nomadic people of Central Asia very important because where they lived, it was not really a great place for ag. They couldn't do much. They could, there was, you know, you roamed around. You herded your cattle or you herded your camels, whatever. But now suddenly they can take those camels that they're herding and they can load them up with stuff and they can take them on now to the next city and sell the stuff. Like the railroad. Right. So, um... They're doing that. They made good traders. They were traveling. They could, they were taking care of all these things. And another thing that they had was because they were exposed hither and thither, they were very resistant to many of the diseases that oh, were going around at the time. Yeah. yeah. So they can, you know, keep going. They can keep the trade routes moving along. Um, the Silk Road actually began in... 100 uh, approximately i'm not an expert here i'm drunk um approximately 100 we're not experts <laughs> but we're not done yet um approximately 100 bc but it really didn't take off until the third second and third century a.d now you may notice that i said bc and a.d that's because i am a child of the 80s and i that's what we're used to staunchly yeah. standing in my bc 80 bc 80 yeah Woo! Google it if you don't understand it. <laughs> like that's what, that's what we got told to say. Um, so I had a whole conversation in my classroom about AD was after death, and I'm like, no, it's not. It's AD Anno Domini. Yeah. And they're like, what? Blah, blah, blah. It was the thing. Um, anyway, really takes off after the se- second and third century. The Kushan Empire, which is present day Afghanistan and Pakistan, was a major hub. By then, the nomad people had mostly been replaced by um, professional merchants. This is where the merchant class grew up. Um, they had popped up along the route. It was basically like a big old friggin' long... Like a giant bazaar? Bazaar, yes. You could just go and go and go and go and buy shit and buy shit and buy shit and just blah, blah, blah. Spend all your money. And it continued to be incredibly important and things happened. Um... The Palmyra, was, Palmyra. A, yeah. was a very important city. It was very important for silk. You had to go through Palmyra and to get silk, and silk was greatly coveted in Rome. It was very um, important to the Roman people, so much to the point that the Roman Senate, original nanny state, tried to ban there was too many trade imbalances and, and problems, and also there was a whole moral issue, and they tried to ban silk and silk clothing. Seneca the Younger was actually quoted as saying, I see clothes of silk as materials that do not hide the body, or even one's decency can be called clothes. And he said of any woman who wears silk, her husband has no more acquaintance than any outsider or foreigner with his wife's body. <laughs> so despite the entire Roman Senate wanting to ban it, and this man, Seneca the Younger, speaking out that if you wear silk, you're a whore, 
They could not get silk banned. Because it's beautiful. Yes, it's beautiful and people wanted it. And you want what you want with is what you want. Um, it's like when they tried to get SUVs banned. Right. From California. Okay, seriously. People love them. Moms love them. Somewhere in one of my stories, I had a reference to fake news, and I think I missed it because I think it was in a previous story. It was on the previous story. Oh, I'm sad. I Did saw you it. catch it? Yeah. Oh, it was funny. I didn't read the whole thing. I just thought you skipped it. I did skip it. I didn't mean to. Anyway, so um, they could not get silk banned. So trade. So previously to this, previous to this, you needed to own land or be some sort of royalty or have a thing to have money. The Silk Road and trade allowed people to become wealthy without owning or producing you could trade mm. you could interesting buy and, yeah they it basically created the merchant like the class. business class yeah yes, merchant class. it created the merchant class um how did this affect the common everyday folk well there's lots of ways it had a wider economic impact because everybody now wants silk so in order to make well, it's luxurious yes. and it's beautiful. <clears throat> so just besides the dude who brings you the bolt of fabric that you need to make your pretty dress out of, there's all kinds of people behind them that are make making and creating yeah. the silk. So like the, you know, what we had to do to get this cocktail, all the people that made the alcohol and the glass and the this and the that, they all have jobs too. So the silk trade made a very large network of jobs behind it. Um, also, goals and ideas were traded. The primary trade route greatly affected the spread of Buddhism. Buddhism at this time was actually, according to this thing that I watched, which was um, Crash Course World History. I watched videos for this one. You know how you watch like videos for years? I no, I, I read extensive. <laughs> you read extensively and do incredible research. You do. You're so thorough. I actually did for this last one. <laughs> you did for this one, yes. And I typically read 100,000 websites yes. and it's ridiculous. Where I'm you, you're me. <laughs> I watched YouTube. So Crash Course in History, I literally use this man in my classroom. His, his videos are brilliant. So according to him, Buddhism was kind of fading in India, but the Silk Road spread it out and it, it let it be known to other people. Oh, um, so that kind of helped spread Buddhism? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Ma Mahendra Buddhism came about because of trade on the Silk Road. And this, I didn't write any of this down, but it was really interesting because it, he talked about how um, the this particular brand of Buddhism would... Talk about trade and this, and then the ideas got spread because of the Silk Road and da da da. And they had these fabulous, extensive rituals. And the main thing that was worn in the rituals was silk. Oh, of course. Yeah. So it just kind of was full circle. Um, and another thing that was spread along the Silk Road was what do historians talk about all the time? Disease. I was going to say, what disease are you going to tell me about? Disease, disease, all of them, all of the diseases, um, measles and smallpox were spread the bubonic plague was frequently quote-unquote traded along the silk road 
The bubonic plague had, plague had several major outbreaks in 534, 750, and the worst in 1346, and they came directly from the west to the east. The 1346 plague, which was known as the Black Death, actually killed half of the European population, and two-thirds of the people in the city of London died. Oh, gosh. From the bubonic plague, yes. A huge swath of Italy. So, like, the whole... Two-thirds. two of the of people a in a city. city dead. Um, ring around the rosies. Look it up. Pocket full of posies. To keep away the smell of the dead people as you put them in a pit. Another thing that I watched was the... Well, I listened to was the BBC Silk Road in our time. Not as fascinating. Um, the Silk Road term applied... Um, they they traded things like wool, linen, white lead, jade, fur, musk, scent, silk, spruce, rhubarb, people. Rhubarb. Rhubarb is in our drink. Rhubarb is in our drink. Did you miss the part where I said people? Well, people's not in our drink. No, but it was traded on the Silk Road. And entertainers, jugglers um, would go back and forth. And the Chinese people wanted horses. Horses were very fascinating. The Chinese people apparently at this time had little bitty tiny ponies. And they saw these big, beautiful Aww. Arabian horses as they traveled along the Silk yeah, Road. And they wanted course. them, so they took them. It was not an easy route. It skirted along the western edges of the, of the desert. Not western. It skirted along the edges of the desert. I had too many cocktails for my own good. Um, they took donkeys, horses, camels, yaks for carrying pe- you know, for carrying goods, but most of those animals would carry the goods and the people would have to walk. Walk. So keep in mind the whole desert thing cuz I'm coming back to that. Okay. Cuz I'm like picturing the Oregon Trail right now kind with of. camels. Kind of. Yes. And and they're going across this vast um I think it's called Tulane or Tuuri, something desert. They're going across this vast vast vast. It's just miles of sand yeah just miles of sand and they're going across that to sell goods so it had to have been lucrative to risk that danger to do that so um they were one of the cultures that really thrived in this were the nomadic peoples and one i'm not gonna get this correct don't email me i know i listened to it i read it but i'm still gonna pronounce them incorrectly so there was a nomadic people that were overtaken and beaten by the, okay, strike that, the Yo, Eugene, my phonetic spelling was Y-O-U-Z-H-I, Eugene. Anyway, they were beaten by their rivals, the Zhongnu. And after they were beaten, they migrated down to the Kuchi Empire and that was became one of the major hubs of the Silk Road. But the reason I bring it up is because when the guys who won beat the guys who lost, they took all of the heads of state, like the king and all the other dudes, and they made their skulls into drinking cups. Yum. Right. So, and that is not what we're drinking. Our, <laughs> we didn't mention what we're drinking our, our cocktails out of today. It is not no, a skull. skull. It is actually a very classic 20s coupe glass. Much better than a skull. Yeah, not a skull. 
because you know the skulls with all of those like fissures and sutures and things it could leak so yeah. i think it would be very inefficient drinking yes um thing unless you like lined it with gold or something which is probably what they did anyway anyway i just thought it was interesting. we're classic 20s coupe glass anyway people are drinking out of people's skulls and shit it's interesting so silk road was fascinating by for many 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 years and then it kind of stopped when it, did it stop when it stopped i don't know chinese went into civil war and they stopped he look like a man <laughs> what the fuck oh my god <laughs> i'm trying to transition to one of my other time periods now so transition okay silk road quit done people not trading anymore <sighs> along comes a poor little orphan annie Who? huh annie not <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <sighs> crime and time on the rocks this is the rocks part folks punch Just me saying. punch me <laughs> <laughs> it's not annie we have to make this reasonable so we don't have to redo it because we cannot redo this we're not some gonna redo it we gold. have an hour and eight minutes we're not redoing it <laughs> some of it is comedy gold it's pretty uh, good i'm drinking stop talking to me so i can drink no you can drink i'm just I'm... so orphan boy according to the I think this was the History Channel or the Discovery Channel or some channel where they make things. Um, he's poor little orphan boy. Mom dies. He doesn't know what to do. His dad's been gone forever. Dad's literally been actually been gone for 14 years. He comes back and he says, hey, kid, I'm your father. Kid says, where you been? Luke, I'm your father. Not Luke. Different empire. Empire, nonetheless, but different empire. <laughs> dun, 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 We were so bored in the 70s. Um, I saw The Empire Strikes Back in the theater, and I remember it. I did not, but I remember it nonetheless. When you saw it later, because you're... Lame. as cool as Because I'm small. I'm not small. <laughs> not young, but younger. I'm not small. <laughs> All right. Orphan boy. Dad comes back after 14 years. This is touching. Come on. Okay. I'm getting Orphan my... boy says, where the hell you been, Dad? I'm getting Dad my cry says, on. Get my cry Dad on. says, hey, I've been places. Um, Here, I'm going to pour you the dregs. The, the cocktail is amazing, but... I'm not digging the dregs. So I will say, yes, I love this cocktail. She actually really liked this cocktail. I do. But you might want to have a very fine, fine strainer. Very fine strainer. We strained it through a mesh strainer, and there's still some, like, um, star anise, like, dregs left in it. Dregs. And some people don't like that, my co-host being one of them. So I – the reason that I own the strainer – is for mimosas. Yeah. Because I cannot even stand... I'm not a dregs gal. Don't like them. So now I've had my probably one and three quarters cocktail and I'm passing it on to her and now I'm drinking my beer. Like beer again. So, dad comes back. Kid, I've Touching been gone story. for 14 years. Where have you been, dad? I've been here. And he tells him stories of all of these this is 350 years after the silk road collapsed in 1296 a.d italy he's been no 1296 he's in jail strike that 12 
so this is 12 earlier than that. 12 and earlier than 96. He's, right. And so dad says, I've been to the most fabulous place. I've been here. I've been there. I've been to China. I've been here. Blah, blah, blah. This kid goes, whoa, I want to go there too. I'm going to go. So who is the kid, may you ask? Marco Polo? Yes! Marco Polo. Marco Polo. Um, so, yeah. So he has done all of these fabulous things. I had no things. idea he was so late. Like, I knew the Silk Road so started. So late? 12 fucking 96? Well, I, like, okay, I knew the Silk Road started, like, in, to my knowledge, in the 200s. So I thought Marco Polo was, like, way back then. No, 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 no. The Silk Road had its thing, and then it died, and then Marco Polo came. Mm. Yeah, like the Silk Road's done over. Okay, it gets better though. I have more. Let me get through Marco Polo. Okay. Then I have our great love story. Tell me it all. In Nazi Germany. Ding. Ding. <laughs> Should we plug them? We listen to a morning <laughs> radio talk show that's regional. That's it's not regional. It is a national. We already have a national show. They don't though. That's but, okay. Yeah, it's anyway. it's Western. It's a Western California show. But every time Hitler's reference, there's a ding. And a dude that says Nazi Germany. Not Nazi Germany. He actually says Nazi Germany. But <laughs> But they also do the ding. So yes. that's why when we reference Nazi Germany, we say ding. Ding. Anyway, so pre-Nazi Germany, back in 1296. Nazi Germany. Poor little Marco Polo's in jail. Oh, no. He decides that he's bored. And he's in... Okay, so this is what... Okay. He's in jail, and this is pre-Italy. He's in jail in Italy, but it's pre-Italy. It's still like the whole city-state thing. Yeah, city-state. And he's a Venetian trader, and he's in jail because there's a war between Genoa and Venice. And I've tried to explain this to people, and they just don't get it. They're like, well, what about, like, Germany? I'm like, Germany wasn't a thing! What Germany! About, like, Italy! Italy wasn't a thing! It was a bunch of cities and this and... and yeah. Yeah. So, Marco Polo's in jail. He's got nothing to do. So he decides to write. So he starts writing down his story about when he did this thing. Okay. Okay, so, the Silk Road actually was in business, and it thrived for a thousand years and then china as it does went into civil war between the chinese and the mongols and mm. everything collapsed boom got it silk road there silk road going so then years later the dude the little orphan dude pops up so he decides he's listened to his dad say that he's been to all these things he's seen China, he's seen Kublai Khan, he's friends with Kublai Khan, and he wants to take his son back there. Well, he doesn't get his son to get back there. He can't, I don't know why, doesn't say. But in 1271, Marco Polo sets out and he's going to do his own thing. And he goes. And he goes along what was the Silk Road. Um, by this time, it was still a trail, but it was incredibly dangerous. There were bandits. He tells stories of, you know, harrowing death. If you read Marco Polo's book, even though it was written in 1296, it's this fascinating harrowing story, and it's got all these fanciful notions and fabulous things, and there is a massive debate whether it's true Factual, or not. yeah. Did he do it? Did he not do it? There but are I imagine... Whether it's true or not, like, by that time, 
this established trade route's going to abandon it. Right, because why wouldn't it? You yeah. know, there's people carrying goods across, and then the next time they come across, they have money. Why wouldn't you stake that out and rob oh, it? Oh, yeah, heck no. Um, But there's such debate about Polo and what he did. One of the, he says that he reached the Kublai Khan court in 1271, and he describes these buildings. He describes this court and the way it's set up and how it's laid out, blah, 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 blah. So years later, the Japanese go into this area where, where Polo supposedly was, and they excavate this with a archaeologist's manner, in an archaeological manner. I don't know how you'd say that because I've had too much to drink. But anyway, they go in and they excavate this place. The floor plan is exactly, exactly what Marco Polo wrote. Mm-hmm. I know, crazy. So so there's that on his side. But then he also writes things about how he sees a he sees tigers who walk in and bow to the king. He sees dudes with like animal heads. He sees um, fish that fly and all of this stuff. So now what I thought was interesting, have we released Queen Elizabeth yet? Yes. Okay. So if you have listened to our Queen Elizabeth podcast, you heard my story about the OG Queen Elizabeth and her relation to the British fish lady Melusina. So how are these stories around the same-ish time Related, different yeah. from Melusina? It's, it's, it's fanciful. They don't know how to explain things, so they make things up to explain them. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so coincidental that he describes a floor plan and they find the floor plan. Exactly, yeah. But anyway, there's, there's still debate whether or not he was there. Um, when he is asked, when Marco Polo is asked about, was your writing true? His response is, I only told you half of what I saw, which is fascinating to me. I just, you know, like if, if you get to interview the 10 people you want to interview in heaven, Marco Polo is on my list. MP is on my list. I mean, Julius Caesar's there too, but MP is on my list. I want to know. I haven't thought about that list. How have you not thought about the 10 people you want to interview in heaven? You're a historian. Come on. I revise mine all the time. James Dean's always the Quetzalcoatl. Who? Quetzalcoatl. Okay. The Aztec god. Yeah, you have... I don't care. I mean, I'm sure it's fascinating, but I... I'm what? I'm what? I don't have a thing for that. I'm very Euro and American centric in my historical preferences. I don't know. If you're related to Anne Boleyn, I want to know all about you. If not, F off. Whatevs. No, I'm totally kidding. But anyway. She's not though. Yeah, I'm kind of not. So guess what? But I love you though. Thank you. Marco Polo goes and he's famous adventure. Doesn't find the Silk Road. He tries and tries and tries. So... No, he does. Strike that. Edit. Marco Polo goes back. He finds the Silk Road. He's He's got it. It's set. Blah, 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 blah. Then guess what? Then guess what? Then guess what? What? Chinese went into Civil War. Oh. Blah. Silk Road collapses. Fast forward 600 years. We find... The 1800s? Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. We find sweet, young Sven Hadim. Sven. 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 This little Swedish boy um, is in 1880 on April 24th. He's 18 and he's sitting watching this parade happen for Adolf Lordenshop. Oh. 
Adolf Lordenshop. Pretty name. Has returned from Russia and and exploring Russia. And he is the most famous Swedish national hero of the time. And Sven becomes fascinated with the hero's welcome that Adolf got. He just loves all of the glitz and glamour and oh, Adolf is wonderful. He did this fabulous thing. And Sven says, I'm going to have that love. So he decides that he is going to be an explorer and he wants to find the cities that Marco Polo found. And so he's going to go along the old Silk Road and he's going to discover the cities. He wants to be famous. He doesn't care about money. He wants to be famous because this is the, you know, like the whole, like the archaeology thing and all the people and the, like how we took away all the Egyptian stuff. Yeah. This time, this is when he is going in his thing. So he is going to find the Taka, Takla, Malaka. I was really tired when I wrote this and I cannot read my handwriting, but it's something desert. Um, No one has ever lived. They don't know where it is. They've not lived through going through it. He's, but he's going to find it. So in 1893, he gets money from the King of Sweden. Oh, Sweden. Yes. He's going to leave. But before he leaves, he finds he falls in love with this beautiful little neighbor girl. Her name is Maria. And he promises when he returns from his journey, they are going to get married. So he goes and he's he's like gathering up all of his stuff. And one year later, he's in Kashi, which is the old city of Kashkur. I think that's the same thing I mentioned before. It's a market town on the old Silk Road. And it's 1894. It's his base of operations. He's got all of his stuff. He's gathering things together. He's almost ready to go. It's the average temperature there is 130 degrees. Oh, gosh. Yes. Huge sand dunes. He's preparing for his journey, getting everything gathered together. And he gets a letter from Maria. And she's going to be married to someone else. Obviously, Sven is heartbroken. So what Sven says is, I'm leaving. And he does not prepare. He says, we're going now. People are literally saying, okay, bye, you're going to (laughs) die. Like like they had a parade for him out of town and they were saying, goodbye. It reminds me of like the whole Donner party (laughs) thing. It was like, you're leaving now? Yes, yes. That is exactly what it was. They're like, why are you leaving? You're going to die. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) People are begging him not to go. And he says, no, I'm leaving. 15 days later, he's in the middle of the desert with all of his people. And he has two days of water left. Oh, I feel like, I feel like that's bad. It's bad. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. So he, um, he's like, all right, I can do this. And then he's, he's exploring and he's going around and they find footprints in the sand. Oh. Yes. So they have two days left of water. They follow the footprints in the sand. People die mm-hmm. while they're following these footprints in the sand. Of course. Of course. They were his footprints. <gasps> oh! <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. He went in a fucking circle. Oh! Don't laugh too hard at him. But yes, he went in a circle. He went in a circle! No, I wasn't. With two days of water left. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> right. Um, so, some, yeah, his guide left. 
Hadim keeps going. He's like, no, we're going to get here. And then six days into zero water, he finds the Katan River. And his reaction to that is, I'm a victor! <laughs> Instead of like, oh gosh, I like might have another day left in me. <laughs> oh, he's like, yes, I did it. I won. I'm awesome. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So he, he gets enough water from the river to make it back to the city. And he resupplies and six months later, he's going to try it again. So this time they're going along and here he has a little more success because he's going through and there's a, a local person. I don't know who the hell would live in this desert, but there's always one people. Yeah. So they bring him these odd carvings that he's never seen before. And he looks at them and they are discovered to be um, old carvings and old artifacts from the original Silk Road cities that dotted this desert, you know, thousands of years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, he gets, he's, he's good. And as he's going along this time, he finds these signs from this elder or this person of an old abandoned city. Um, he finds Datalulik. Okay. And it's a lost city of the Silk Road. Please tell me if you know how to pronounce these things. Nobody's I, going to. I know, but I probably knew how to pronounce them when I wrote them, but I wrote them late at night with a very tired hand, and now I've had way too much to drink. Um, so he, this city that he discovered had literally been buried for a thousand years. Discovery, huge. Archaeology, God archaeology bam he's awesome this this was the point where everybody said hey let's go find lost shit in the desert <laughs> and he started all of that with this um sparked the interest of the others blah blah so archaeology boom he is incredibly famous this is what he wanted the noise that child number one is making is what all the people were doing they were going yes ah, ah! Sven, 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 which is all he ever, ever wanted. He just wanted to be a hero. But you know what he says? What? If only I had Maria to share it with. Oh, gosh. I know, right? What Puke. a lame -o. Puke. So, he is just moving along. By this time, it is, you know, a little further in our history. And there's a little problem in Europe by the name of... The Great War. W W. Yeah. One. Sven picked Germany. Aww. I know. He becomes a war correspondent for Germany. He does all these fantastical things and he sees all these wonderful things. He and seems he, so cool though. I know he's super but cool. Also but also kind of lame. He just picks wrong. He picked the wrong girl. He picked the wrong desert. He picked yeah. the wrong side. It's like he could have been so cool, but he's lame. Oh, he picks the wrong side again. Yeah. He doesn't just do it once. So he's he's with Germany, and basically the rest of Europe says, uh, no. Even though we're not supposed to say this, lame sauce. And they kind of, yeah, we don't care. But he gets, they, they literally, like the rest of Europe. All of these honors and things that they have bestowed on him, they publicly renounce and take away from him. And Sven says, no, I'm picking the right side. He's a little stubborn. He's kind of a stubborn yeah. jerk. So anyway. I he, feel like I know someone like him. 
Not me. No, not you. Okay, good. No, not you at all. <laughs> so he starts writing books and da da da. And he's in that area, is ish becoming famous again. Nothing like he had before, but he still has his, you know, people who like him. And he gets a letter. Oh. From Maria. Oh. Maria says, oh, darling, I made the hugest mistake. I want to get back together. And he says, no. And he goes back to Central Asia. He had this motto, this whole motto of his life about moving forward. I wrote it down, I know, but I can't find it. Every step forward, none backwards or something like that is totally lame. He should have just settled down with Maria because, you know, keeps going. My Maria. Oh, he calls, he goes back to Central Asia because he calls it his frozen bride. Oh, gross. Yes. Gross. It's, 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 it's everything to him. It's gross. So he wants more things but this interestingly is kind of interesting so he goes back and he draws maps for a new silk road he wants to bring back the glory of the trade routes and all of this okay that i get yeah and yeah. It's, so his maps the the that he drew are actually still were the basis for the five thousand mile motorway that goes through that area today it's from peking to vienna and he his maps were used for this road. So that is kind of cool, you know, blah. But so he's really famous again. He's got all this attention and he's this blah, blah, blah. And then he he's hearing all of this stuff and he still thinks Germany is awesome. And in 1936, he get, has a speaking engagement where he gives the opening speech at the Berlin Olympics. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah. And he's hearing all of this like problems with this new guy that's in charge and he says oh no i like him he's fabulous and so and a few things that i've listened to and heard along the way hitler had some very um oh that one podcast that we listened to for a little while talked about hitler and his weird proclivities with who he yes admired. yes <laughs> Hadim was one of his heroes. He thought Hadim was ah. awesome. And that is all Hadim ever wanted was to be somebody's hero. So yes. this very charismatic, very influential leader of Germany, who he thinks, which he thinks is awesome, is very admiring of him. And Hadim just laps it up. He thinks it's wonderful. So he ignores all the critics. He's literally proven that these horrible atrocities has happened. And he's still refusing. He's keeping to his goal. Oh, here's his motto. A thousand heavy steps toward the goal. Not one back. Oh. Which sounds like a pretty cool motto. But if you take it to the extreme like he did, and he will not even admit... You know, literally, he's proven that Hitler committed these horrible, horrible atrocities. And yeah, he still there's says, a few back steps there. Yeah, no, he's, Hadima still says, no, I'm, I'm doing this. This is what it is. He, he maintains this. It's 1949. The communists have taken over the Silk Road and China, China and the Silk Road completely closes again. He's still maintaining, nope, this is the right thing, blah, blah, blah. He dies in his sleep in 1952 at 87. And guess what is on his bedside table? Um, silk. No! Oh my god, you are so bored right now. No. 
<laughs> I don't know. A picture of Maria. Oh, my Maria. My Maria. And it has the inscription, you will always be by my side through all of my travels. I know, it's puke. And um, now the Silk Road name was used for an online marketplace, which you just told us all about. It was launched in 2011, where merchants could cross-purchase things that were illegal to buy and sell. Just if you wanted LSD or whatnot. Right. Originally, they paid an auction for to get a a place on the site, and then they made it for a silk a set price. And in 2013, this is all I have. In 2013, it was shut down by the FBI. Another version popped up in 2013, and that was shut down in 2014. And the dude is spending life in prison. But Hadid, well, there was also a third version that popped up, and that was shut down in 2015. Oh, Silk Road Three, yeah. That. Yeah. But I just thought Hadim was the most interesting guy. So I, I, I started out researching the original Asian trade route along the thing. And then I saw this thing on Marco Polo. And then it turned into this Hadim love story where he picks bets on the wrong horse in Nazi Germany. And- well, that's the same. Like, because, yeah, I could have done Ross Ulbricht. You know, I could yeah. have done his origination with the Silk Road and everything. But the bat, the good guys turning bad guys was more interesting. Yeah. And it's like, I wanted to kind of do both to where, like, I built up to where it's like, this is what the Silk Road was. Uh-huh. And then here's how, like, the agents turned bad. Yeah. So it was, like, just because there was so much. There was so much. Yeah. Well, the the on the actual Silk Road, the ancient trade route, which... Interestingly, I think part of the reason that we even know about that has to be in part to Hadim. Yeah. I mean, Marco Polo did his part, but Hadim is the one who really got in there and, and yes, this is an archaeology gold mine and let's look at this and let's see it. He's the one who kind of introduced that. Yeah, it's right. To the modern world. Yeah. He just picked the wrong horse. Mm-hmm. It just, it reminds me a lot of that scene in The Crown where, you know, they're... The, I haven't seen The Crown. How have you not watched that? You say that every time. Because you just need to watch that. But there's one of the episodes where they're looking at um, the brother who abdicated the crown for crown, the abdicated the crown for Simpson. OJ Wallace the girl. No. <laughs> the other Simpson, the Wallace Simpson, the girl, and um, how they kind of went along the Hitler path mm-hmm. and it just reminded me a lot of that you're just you know you you don't know who to bet on and sometimes you bet on the wrong yeah. one yeah. you can do this fabulous thing and then you make you know hindsight a massive mistake that's why it's like you gotta go with your gut you know it's like you can't uh, Sven went with his gut he you don't know that freaking horse Sven twice Sven might not have gone with his gut. Sven might have gone with who people were telling him to go with. Right. I think Sven just wanted people to know who he was. And these guys, the German guys were louder. Yeah. If you go with your gut, you can't be upset because it's like, that's who you chose. Like you truly chose that person. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it it was fascinating to me that I had never heard of this person. No, me neither. First of all. Me neither. And second of all, he made this massive contribution to history with this archaeology thing. And then he picked wrong and got obliterated from history. I thought for sure. I'm like, okay, Marco Polo. I did Marco Polo-ish. Yeah, I thought for sure. Like, that's what I'm getting. I fooled you. You fooled you. I fooled you. You fooled me. (laughs) (laughs) 
So all of you with your emails telling me how stupid I am. But um, yeah, I watched, I, I watched documentaries for that. And it was really kind of fun to just relax and take notes from TV. Well, good. I know. We don't have to be experts. No, because we shouldn't be experts because I am very clearly a drunk. Yeah. Okay, bye. Hey, so if you like us, you can always... Let us know. Uh, rate, review, any podcast catcher or whatever you call them that you listen to us on. Leave us a rating and a review. It would really help. Yeah, and if you have any comments or suggestions, email oh. us at crimeandtimeotr at gmail.com. Cocktail suggestions. Send us cocktail suggestions. That would be fun. Yeah, we've been, get, we've been getting a lot, and we love them, but keep them coming. Yeah. Another way to get a hold of us at for Twitter is at Time and Crime. Yeah, Instagram, we're also at Crime and Time. And check out our Facebook page. We always post little hints of the cocktail that's coming up and just fun little things. And that is Crime and Time on the Rocks or at Crime and Time OTR. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know. Cheers. <laughs>